All right, Active Vipers, welcome back to the guest show on the Active Vibe Podcast. I'm joined today by my friend Karina Mello. Hello. And uh, you're going to hear Karina's story of resiliency, grit, creativity in building her fitness studio, KFIT, which I got to know her before it was in existence as a real business. And I've gotten to watch her go through all of the trials, all of the tribulations, all of the challenges that the world throws at you before it drops a pandemic on your lap. And I'm happy to report that uh, this whole thing has a happy beginning, middle, and end. She's still killing it. And she's going to talk you through the steps that she took to go from being veterinary assistant to at-home personal trainer to physical location brick-and-mortar group fitness gym owner and it's a good story so no further ado let's get to karina we're gonna get to the show in a minute what i want to talk about first is the new active life enhanced assessment we've been getting a lot of questions from you about what do i do when it bothers my knee when i squat but not when i do anything else and you're not necessarily ready to work with us as a one-on-one client and we totally understand that we've gotten hundreds of questions just like the one I just said. My knee hurts when I do this. What should I do about it? And the honest answer is always, it depends. And we need to ask many more questions to give you the best answer. We decided that the best way for us to help you with the thorough answer to those questions is to develop a product, a service that can help you. So we came up with the Active Life Enhanced Assessment. This is a four-day process in which you go through the similar assessment to what our one-on-one clients go through. You get to talk to one of our staff members about what it is that they found on your assessment, and they will give you instruction on how to overcome the aches and pains that have been plaguing you for a long time without going to the doctor or missing the gym, if it's appropriate for you to do that. So if you're interested in jumping into our Active Life Enhanced Assessment, go ahead Check out the link in the story notes, the show notes, excuse me, and we'll see you there. Karina Mello, welcome to the Active Life Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. I'm excited to have you. I've been been able to uh, watch you progress for the last, what now, four and a half years? Yes, close to five. It's been very cool. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. Well, the reason I wanted to have you on today is because Term Pro is what we're all about, and part of watching your transition was watching you go from being a trainer who had a, an illegal technically studio at your house, getting reported by the neighbors because I don't know, their life wasn't as good when everyone was fit in the town and then forcing you to decide, do I want to do this or not? If I do, I need to turn pro and go get my own space. And I wanted to talk about that, that whole transition and where you're at now and all that good stuff. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. It's a, it was, it was quite a journey. Um, I started training as a side job and, um, to make a long story short, like you said, it went from side job to making it a thing at home in my one car garage, which I turned into a studio and was amazing. Um, outgrowing that space in 11 months Mm -hmm. because there were so many of us that had so many clients that the neighbors were unhappy with us and then making the decision of putting my career in the back burner. I was a veterinary nurse for 14 years and turning this into my full-time job and having my own business or putting it on the side and continuing to be a vet tech. I forgot you were a vet tech. And, And the beautiful thing about a podcast is you don't have to make a long story short. 
So let's go into that story a little bit. Let's do it. You, you started training clients on the side out of your garage. You put like a wood floor down or a vinyl looking wood floor down in the garage, I believe. Yeah. I did. I did. I actually, when I started training, so I started training myself, um, probably three years before I became a trainer Okay. and I love it. What the gym did for me was huge because I was going through a period in my life where I was not in a healthy relationship. Um, sort of in a stagnant place when it came to my career, I had reached the top of what you can make as a veterinary nurse, had an amazing job working in the city for the ASPCA. And even though it was very fulfilling to do what I did every single day and I went to bed very happy with myself, it, I reached a point where there was nowhere else to go unless I became an administrative um, employee for the ASPCA, which I had the opportunity to do, but it did not give me the daily... Um, interaction with my clients and with my animals, which is really where my passion was. So starting with the gym allowed me to grow and it really gave me an opportunity to feel things that I've never felt before. Like that I was capable of doing a lot more. I felt stronger. I started cutting the things out of my life that were not as fulfilling. Um, and that included relationships, that included my job that included other things and and switching things up a little bit so um when I found myself um being a single mother (laughs) and uh, living by myself I realized that I needed an additional income and this amazing passion that I had developed for fitness was the right answer for me so so I have some questions there ask me what is what is the top of the financial food chain as a veterinary nurse? So I was working for the ASPCA as a vet tech in their mobile clinics, um, servicing low-income neighborhoods in the five boroughs, mm-hmm. and I was making close to 80K. 80K. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in, in downstate New York, 80K is a, is a reasonable income. Correct. It's not like you were collecting 25, 30, even 40 and struggling to make ends meet. 80K is, is, is a real number, but now to make more, you had to get out of the everyday of doing the job and get into the administrative part of doing the job. And the things you liked were seeing the clients, working with the dogs. Yes? Correct. So it's funny because this is the same trajectory that people take in gym ownership oftentimes. It's, I want to coach. I want to I train the clients but there's only so much money to be made there. I, w- I need to get on the ownership side, leverage other people's time and start making money when I'm not working all the time. hundred percent. I'm there. I believe that. <laughs> uh, but you had to make the switch. I imagine before you had matched your income. Correct. So what was that like? Because you weren't making 80 K out of the garage and it was like, well, doing this or not. So it, the decision was kind of made for me. I could not continue to work in the city because I was now a single mother. So working my regular 10 to 12-hour shifts in the city um, was a no-go with a four-year-old. So I, at first, I actually hired a living nanny, and it was amazing, right? Goals. Mm-hmm. I, was, I had purchased was a house. Was it Yes. Okay. Not through an au pair company, but just someone that was recommended to me that had just come from um, her country and needed a place to live. So I was like, this is perfect. I'm mm-hmm. going to help her. She's going to help me. Um, so I was recently separated, had purchased my own home. I had an au pair at home, golden. I was living mm-hmm. the life. But then I realized I was paying someone, um, and I was still making a substantial amount of money, but I was paying someone to raise my son. And 
I feel like he needed me more than before because we were not in, in, in a nucleus, in a family where we were when he was growing up for the first three and a half years. So I decided that I needed to, to leave my job. I actually came back to Long Island and I applied for a job as a vet tech in the veterinary hospital where I first worked when I got my license as a veterinary technician. So I went back. It seemed promising. Um, they, they did not match what I was making, but not working in the city, not driving the hours, not paying the tolls, the parking garage was going to be reasonable of a, of a decrease in pay. So I did that, and I actually worked there for two years. Um, I was miserable the entire time. Why? <laughs> um, I was on the other side of the coin when it came to veterinary medicine. I went from working for the ASPCA, a non-for-profit where I could help people in need, low income. You know, mm -hmm. the services were extremely, extremely cheap, and um, you know, doing what I loved for for really for the passion and the goodness of it to working for a privately owned hospital where obviously things are very expensive. He mm -hmm. had an overhead, he had staff, um, and it's the business side of veterinary medicine really took it away from me. Got it. So, so the idea of every animal that comes in here has a dollar sign over its head kind of wore you out. Correct, correct. So that in combination with the environment was very different. Within the hospital, when it's a private hospital, small hospital, the 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 peers, the the way that is ran is very different from large organizations. Well, it's culture, correct? You know, the the interesting thing about culture is it's it's hard to build it, and it's hard to to see it when it's not there. It's very easy to spot it when you go from being in one to being in a place that is totally a different one. Hundred percent. You know, like if you're at a not-for-profit, you're. It would be nice to think that the people who are all there are there because they're passionate about this not-for-profit mission. When you're working in a for-profit clinic, there's there's a reality that unless it's really intentionally manicured, some people took that job because they saw a help wanted ad, and they saw a paycheck. And so that's where they wanted to work to make their money. It wasn't that they were passionate about veterinary care. It was I needed a job and this one paid. Correct. Okay, so you leave that. What kind of a pay cut did you take to pursue your own dreams of owning your own studio? So while I was working at that veterinary hospital for those two years, I found myself in a financial need because I had taken such a huge pay cut leaving the city. So I decided to start training. And, and it really like kind of landed on my lap. I have to tell you, it's a funny story. I was on Instagram one day and a guy reached out to me, a trainer. Must have seen a picture, a video, something that I posted. So he priv private messaged me and he said, hey, I want to train you. I want to train you? I want to train you. He said, I want to train you. Is that kind of like sliding into the DM? Is that what he did? I guess so, okay. yes. So I was like, okay. He was like, um, you know, I, I, I do 10 sessions for 250. You know, I, I, I'm the owner of 250 Fitness. Um, I'll train you. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm local. So I was like, this is interesting. I was like, how about you teach me how to train? I want to become a trainer. And he was like, yeah, let's do it right away. And I was like, okay, awesome. Where, where are you located? Where do we start? So I went to, to check out his spot. He had a place in his house. Um, and he said he would teach me the ropes for a month. He said, everything you make this first month is yours. 
after a month, you're going to start paying me a portion of your clients. And I said, okay, I can do that. Um, and he sure did. He, I, I trained with him. I probably shadowed him for like a week. And then I knew I only had three weeks left of my free stay at his space. So I started recruiting clients that were, you know, my friends or people that were like interested in seeing what I was doing. I started posting about it. Um, uh, interestingly enough, Andres was one of my first clients. Andres, your now husband. Correct. <laughs> so, um, so I did. I started selling my two fifty fitness, two hundred and fifty dollars for ten personal training sessions. Packages. How long were those sessions? They were. I don't even remember. I want to say probably forty five minutes. Oh, you, I, I mean, know, I know. Yeah, it hurts. It hurts to think about it. Twenty five dollars. It hurts me too. Ugh. And um, all right. And, uh, and we grew tremendously. He was servicing his own niche and I was servicing my own niche. So we did a very good job together to the point where we outgrew his space within like two months. Oh, wow. Um, well, it was his living room. Which was his, <laughs> literally, I think it was like the, you know, maybe the den in the back of his house yeah. or something like that. Um, so... He wanted to, you know, rent a space, and and we did a beautiful big space. Um, we went and got some machines. Um, this is I'm doing all this while still working. As a so were you chipping in for this stuff? I was not. Okay. I was not, but I feel like it gave him assurance to see the growth that we have had together. Yeah. Um, and that I was all in for it. Like if I'm gonna invest my time in something, I'm really gonna do it. I'm not gonna, you know, wishy wash it two times a week and and be gone with it. And um. And also there was a need, right? I feel like if you need your job, you take care of it. You're looking for growth. You're ambitious in, in the good ways. Um, and that's me all over this. So I think he, you know, he, he trusted the steps and we did and we rented a place and we did very well for a few months. Um, unfortunately, he then had to move into this place that we rented. Like live there? Like live there. And Was then, he living with his girlfriend or something? Is that why? Well... Got it. You're not going to get into his personal Correct. stuff, but it wasn't that he couldn't afford <laughs> delivery. It was, it was that he had to vacate where he was. Exactly. So yeah. then, um, it didn't work out. It didn't continue to work out because him living in the space that we were using to train, um, you know, started mixing personal and, yeah. and professional and, and that didn't work out. So I'm still working as a veterinary nurse. I decided that I'm going to continue to see my clients elsewhere. Luckily it was warm. So I started training my clients in parks. Um, here and there, you know, different places. I had a membership at Blink where I could bring a guest for mm -hmm. free. So then I started doing that at Blink until Blink realized what I was doing. Yeah. And they kicked <laughs> me out of their gym. <laughs> um, and really, that was my that was my my red flag and and my point where I had to make a decision. Right, the fork on the road was either you stop doing this in parks and illegally at Blink, or you have your own space. Um, and at that point, um, I remember I was out on a run with Andres where I got the phone call from the Blink manager saying, hey, listen, we're getting complaints from our trainers that you're illegally training your friends that you bring in. Mm -hmm. You cannot do that. So we're going to terminate your membership. And I was totally offended. I was like, oh, my God, what do you mean? <laughs> um, and he was like, yeah, you cannot do that. If you want to do that, you have to work for us. And I said, OK, well, um, of course, I was mad at the moment. I'm totally new to the personal training world. So... I said, okay. And Andres said, well, um, either you stop doing this or you have your own space. And he said, why don't you have your own space? Do it at home like you did when you started. So that's where the idea, the, the idea came about, using my car, one car garage that I was using as like a storage space. Mm -hmm. And um, 
we put down wood floors. I told, I designed it in my head immediately. I love um, putting that vision together of like where I'm going to go next. And I literally planned every single spot in that little studio from where I was going to hang the TRX to where I was going to put the weights and, you know, the frames on the walls, everything. Um, and it happened within like a month or two, less than that, because I needed a space to continue to train my clients. Um, the beauty of it is that we started and I was doing both still training and being a veterinary nurse and the one above, because I'm a firm believer that, you know, God takes care of things when they need to happen. Um, put me in a situation where I either needed to leave or get fired from my veterinary job. Um, I started speaking for myself and others that were unhappy at work. Mm. Um, and that didn't go very well. Um, I was sent to a mediator. <laughs> this is a really funny story. I was sent to a mediator um, with one of my peers because we didn't have a good relationship since the moment I started. Um, and I won't get into details, but it to me it was so offensive to go and sit in front of this gentleman with a wall full of degrees um, to explain to him how the hospital that I worked for was a revolving door for nurses because there were two people there that did not allow people to come and stay. Mm -hmm. um, meaning meaning they, they created an environment that was so correct. intolerable. Yes, yes. And it was my challenge. It was my, I, it became my thing to not let them get me out since the moment I started. Remember, this is a job that I went back to. Mm -hmm. So I had been there when this hospital opened, when this hospital built. I literally put the labels on the cabinets when they built them. And then to go back and seeing the the lack of growth and the the hostile environment that it had turned into, it had developed, um, it really hurt me and it bothered me. And I tried to change it for two years. But then I realized that it was not my place. And sitting in front of this gentleman who is now hired to be a mediator, um, it really, it was like the, the cherry on top. Well, so hold on. I have questions for you there. The, first of all, I do believe it was your place. I think that uh, it's a good lesson for you as a business owner to remember that it's everybody's place. It's it's not only it's it's especially not ownership's place or management's place. It's the employees who are actually distributing the value, who are actually working with the patients, interacting with the patients' owners in the case of pets, who are going to have the most valuable critical feedback for how things need to be done better here. It's incumbent upon ownership to hear that feedback and to evaluate how process can change and culture can shift to afford for that. So I think you were the right person. It probably was at the right time in an organization that didn't respect that kind of culture. And that's exactly where the gap was. I, um, I had lots of support from management, believe it or not. Um, and these were people that, you know, I had known for now 11 years and um, and they were essentially at the beginning the ones that gave me the heads up about what I was coming into. They were on my corner when it came to what I went through for the two years. However, every time we would reach the person above them, it would get dismissed. Mm -hmm. um, and there's only so long that you can knock on that door for before you get frustrated and you say, you know what? Hey, you burn out. With this. You yes. burn out. So, yes. okay. So you're now facing a situation where you're like, all right. I got to leave this spot. And I have this little business at my house where 
people are coming to train in my garage. What was the pay cut that you took to leave the job to come work for yourself? Do you remember? So it had to have been at least like 40. So $40,000 okay. pay, $40, pay cut, which I imagine, I mean, given that you told us that it wasn't the 80K you started with, that's, you took more than a 50% pay cut to bet on yourself. Yes. And were you getting health insurance at the hospital? I was. So, I was. So 40K plus benefits Correct. when you're a single mom. Correct. It's a lot. It's it a is. big risk to take on it yourself. It was huge. It was well, huge. Um, well, but what made you decide that you should take that risk on yourself instead of let me go get a job working as a trainer somewhere that there's a bunch I of didn't make the I didn't make the decision. I was fired after that meeting with the mediator. Oh, they were like, you're too much of a spitfire. You're out of here. Yes, yes. And you know what? I am so grateful for that because I should have given up on the fight a long time ago, but I was too afraid to make that decision because mm -hmm. I had someone under me, someone that, that, that expected me to make some money to feed him, right? Like I, now I'm a homeowner, I'm a single mom, and I can't just leave my job because I'm very unhappy where I am. Um, so in my mind, it was not the responsible thing to do. I had to find another job before I left this one. After that mediator meeting, I was so irate that I called. I was actually, I had a vacation plan probably like two days or three days later, and I called management back at the hospital, and I said, I can't believe I just sat in front of this respected gentleman, this doctor, um, arguing with someone that doesn't have a degree in veterinary medicine about what her place is at the hospital where I work and what my place is at the hospital where I work. This is, this is beyond me. So I said, please take me on the schedule for the next two days. And when I come back from my vacation, we'll talk about what he, what he said with regards to his mediator consult mm -hmm. and, and we'll speak further. Then the day that I came back from vacation, they said, you know, we have to let you go. And it was the best thing that could have happened to me because I was not ballsy enough to make the decision myself. They made it for me. So I was kind of like pushed into the water. Well, and that's what I find, uh, happens all the time when people get fired. So I've had to let people go from active life and ideally even if they're getting let go because well, they would only get let go for doing something that violates our values. If they're getting let go, it should still be a favor to them because working within our values clearly is something that is too energy expensive for them. And just because we have the kind of culture that I want and that I believe other people would enjoy doesn't mean that's the culture everybody is going to fit into. So, yeah, it, it, it makes sense that it's the best thing that ever happened to you. Exactly. No, so, it was. So you go and you have this thing in your garage. How did you build it? Because clearly you can't afford to live the kind of, you have a mortgage. You have a four-year-old or a five-year-old this time, six-year-old. He but, was already, I, I think by then he was five. Yeah. And you have a business that isn't making you enough money to, to live a life, but is earning enough money to give you signs that maybe it could. So I had already built the garage before I got I had gotten mm -hmm. fired. So I was already seeing a good amount of clients in the afternoon after working my full shift at the hospital. Um, so essentially, because I got fired, I was able to apply for unemployment for, mm -hmm. I think it was three months. Mm -hmm. And in my mind, I had three months to get my act together and grow my business. And that to me, when you give me a time frame, it's like, you know, it's you're setting a goal. So you have to like break it down into weeks. How many clients do I need per week? How many people do I need to sign up? How many people do I need to retain? And it became, it, it happened on its own so organically that I, 
you know, I just, I opened my availability, right? I didn't advertise, oh, I just got fired from my job. I hope you can come more times mm -hmm. so I can make more money. I, the way that I advertised it was, now I'm open this many days. Take advantage. And my clients sure did. And the beauty of what we do is, my clients work so very hard and, and we're so focused on, helping them with that transformation that they're looking to acquire or helping them with, you know, making those changes that they want to in their lifestyle that the people around them start seeing those things and they become my clients almost immediately. So mm -hmm. my clients are like my walking billboards. Um, so within those three months that I needed to get my act together because I, I could only be on, on, on unemployment for that length of time, um, my business grew to the point where It, we were booming. Like I was booming, working hard all day. I, I used to have to like schedule myself time to put Sebastian to school, schedule myself time to pick him up from school, feed him lunch, do homework with him, and then I'll be back in the in the garage. I we used to leave him watching TV in the TV room, so I'll be like in and out of the house, training, watching him, watching him training, and uh, and then it worked out. It worked out amazing. So everything is going well. This is when we really started to get to know each other. You had just yes. left the veterinary clinic and I don't even remember how we met, but we did. Uh, and I remember you coming to me being like, I am getting kicked out of my own garage. Correct. The neighbors called the police. Um, I'm not allowed to operate out of my garage. I had to find a new place. And I think you had like a month. Even probably less. So this all happened. I want to see it around May. And, um, I started doing very well in May, right? So comes June, comes July. For the first time ever, um, this girl comes to me and she says, listen, I want to be a trainer. Um, can I work with you? And I said, absolutely, I need the help. So now I have someone shadowing me. Mm -hmm. She shadows me for like a good month. I'm comfortable with what we are, so I schedule myself a day off. And uh, it was, a, I believe it was like a Saturday. And I schedule myself a day off. I'm going to have her teach my classes. Now I'm running classes out of my one car garage. Mm -hmm. Um, six clients at a time, and they would be packed back to back, like eight, nine, 10, 11, all Saturday morning. So she's in charge of teaching my classes that day. My clients are now comfortable with her. She's been shadowing me and helping us um, in my one car garage, all eight of us, right? Six clients, me and, and, and my trainer. Um, so I decide that we're going to go to um, Splish Splash. And I get in the car. Splish Splash is a water park for those of you listening. Splash it's water about park. an hour away. It's, a, it's yeah. Tubes, slides, wave pool. So much fun. I had not really, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm now a workaholic, so I haven't taken my son anywhere. <laughs> um, Andres and I are now dating, so I said, you know what? Let's take the day off. Let's go to Splish Splash. And as I'm on my way to Splish Splash, I get a phone call from the trainer that I left home. She said, um, a gentleman from the town came. Um, he said, we need to shut down the operation. The one day that I decided to take How off. How does it always happen Splash. when you're not there? <laughs> I don't know, I don't people, know. <laughs> people from the town always come when the owner is not there. So he said, you know, he left me his card. He was very nice. But he said to call him right away because um, this has been an ongoing complaint for months. So now I'm calling this gentleman who turned out to be super amazing, super nice. He said, listen, we're getting lots of complaints from your neighbors with regards to the parking. There's no parking in your block. Um They're saying this happens every day. We don't know what's going on, but whatever it is, it needs to stop. Um, otherwise, you're going to get a fine. 
And I explained to him, I said, oh my God, I'm sorry. You know, I lost my job. I, uh, I'm a trainer. So, you know, I started seeing more, more, more clients. Um, and he said, yeah, well, do you have a permit, permit to run your business out of your home? Um, from the, you know, incorporated village of Alice stream. Mm -hmm. And I said, no, I didn't know I needed one. Um, and he said, and I said, please, you know, can I have a little bit more time? I, I, I need to continue to train my clients to have an income. And he said, I'm going to be honest with you. You're going to get a fine by next week if you don't move. However, I'm going to give you the phone number of a guy that's local who is also a trainer and he might be able to help you out. And I called that guy right away. And he said, yeah, I can, I can rent you the space. You can be one of my trainers. You pay me $500 a month and you can train your clients here. I'll let you know what times are good, what times are not good. We do have other trainers that train their clients here. You follow the rules. You don't get involved with their clients. They don't get involved with yours. You leave everything clean after you use it and you're good to go. And I said, I only need this for a month until I find my own space. He said, you can stay longer. Of course. And in my mind, I was like, I'm not going to pay you $500. Right. He was super sweet. Very, very helpful. We were there. I remember the next day we had a beach boot camp. So now I had to break it to my clients, right? Like, mm -hmm. what am I going to tell my clients? Finally, we're booming. And here comes another, you know, obstacle in the road. Um, and I just told them the truth. I said, listen, guys, um, the neighbors don't like us. <laughs> um, so I don't know who reported this, but apparently, you know, it's not once or twice that they've done it. They're driving the town crazy. So they had to come down. Um, as of Monday, we're going to be training at this other location. I'll send you the address. It was probably like 10 minutes from my house. Closer to some, farther away from others, all of them followed me to that location without asking any questions. Mm. We had to go from a woman-exclusive environment to now sharing the space with a bunch of other male trainers, male clients. We were having our class of 15 in one corner, and then there was another six people training in the other. Um, and they, they rode it with me for the whole month until I found another space. And I had to put myself on turbo because... I wasn't going to stay there for long, even though they were super nice and he wanted me to stay when it was time for me to go. He said, let's, let's talk about this, you mm -hmm. know, stay a little longer. We like you here. The people like you here. You're responsible. You leave everything so nice. You know, I, I, they needed a girl in there because it needed a lot of girl touches <laughs> in that spot. So obviously I'm like, you know, making the bathroom pretty because that's where all my girls are using the bathroom. So I'm like, you know, buying little things for the bathroom and organizing things. Just, doing things that the way that I would like my staff to do it for me, right? Mm -hmm. And um, But I couldn't stay there any longer. I, I had a vision for our own place, and it wasn't there. Um, we were lucky that we came upon a spot that was available, and um, they put lots of obstacles in the way. We actually ended up staying for another month at this mm -hmm. temporary place because of the amount of obstacles they gave us. Um, and then we were able to open. It was, you know, the, the fact that my tribe my family had been with me throughout that entire process this place was theirs it wasn't my new gym it was their new gym and the 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 culture the feels everything grew so much because we had been kicked out of my place we had been training at the beach we had been training at a temporary spot sharing the 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 space with our other trainers so it was it was challenging, but we went through it together. So it made it, it solidified our culture. It made us feel more united in this fight. We had a similar experience when we lost our well. First of all, our first gym we got sued by our next door neighbor. Oh and, no! And, oh yeah, it was I really, didn't know this. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. For noise. Uh, but before that, we had been the police were getting called on us all the time because people were running up and down the sidewalk. I mean, 
legitimately we were we were probably a nuisance what we, <laughs> what we were doing where we were you know people running from the outside of the gym down past the barbecue spot to the you know past the next bar to the third bar um are you kidding that's a show who oh, doesn't want to sit there sipping on a margarita watching well some crossfitters th- running up and down the wall they did they <laughs> did it wasn't them it was the people who were trying to walk on the sidewalk who were like you're running on the sidewalk it, was, it was the, the people street. with the barbecue wings <clears throat> they were just handing them out to our members <laughs> they're like you shouldn't look that fit you should eat this uh but so similar you know then we started getting sued by the neighbor and so all of our members it was kind of like i'll never forget they the new york post took a photo of maybe the kindest woman who was a member of our gym, Barbara Mullaney. She's like the realtor in town. Everybody loves Barbara. Her husband, Pat, was I a member. I think I know Barbara. You probably do. Yes. And they just like, I don't know how many photos they took, but they took the worst photo that they could find of Barbara. She's like bent over, having like an inquisitive, like, what the fuck are you taking photos of? Kind of look. And that they slammed that. In the New York Post, oh my God. when they talked about us being a nuisance, so we galvanized, and, of course, right? And it was like, no, we're like we had Sean Cleary, who's our media guy now, uh, made posts that said like fitness, you know, CrossFit's not a crime, and everybody got behind it, and it was super cool. But then Hurricane Sandy, we won the lawsuit, but then Hurricane Sandy came and it was time to move because we got Sandy. six feet of water in the spot. That was no good. But so I understand what you're describing, where there's that that community tightening when there's some adversity, but you went from in your home, no money out of pocket month after month to now all of a sudden $500 to what does rent cost you in the new spot? So when we, this is a, we, when I initially negotiated the spot, we started at 2,300 mm-hmm. and then it goes up every year. 3% um, cost of living plus I believe $50. Okay. So it's like, you know, 2350 or a little bit more and then 2400, which is where we are now. And then um and then 3 months security up front. Up front. Um when I sat Plus down with out. them. Plus your build out. No. You didn't have to pay for your floors you put down and the paint you put on. Oh, well, off? plus the build out. Yes, right. yes. Um so what happens is I meet with them for the first time after negotiating over the phone, over email, finally we get to, to sit down. And we meet and they go, no, um, we're going to need six months security. And I said, how come? Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, you're a relatively new business. Um, so we want to make sure that everything's going to be okay and you're going to be covered. So it's going to be six months. Literally, when we're going to like well, getting ready You came with your checks sign. and your, your pants. Correct. Yeah. So I was, I was heartbroken. I felt, you know, I, I felt like they were just looking for things for us not to take this spot. And... Um, I remember talking to one of my clients and she was like, it's because you're a woman. It's because you're Latina. It's because they're just trying to see if you have the money. And I was like, this is so upsetting. So I spoke to my stepdad who is a business guy. He's a realtor. And he said, Nkari, give them the money. It's your money. Do you need to borrow it from me? I'll lend it to you. Don't mm-hmm. overthink it. Maybe it is because you're a woman. Maybe it is because you're Latina. Maybe it is because your business is relatively new, which you know it is, and you don't have a built credit on your business, and you believe in your business, and your clients do too, but they don't know anything about you. Show them what you got. He said, do you need to borrow the money? And I said, maybe. And he said, all right, I'll write you a check. No worries. Um, and we were able to come up with the money and and give it to them. But that was one of those times where it was like, is this another fork in the road? Maybe this is in my spot. Maybe I need to go for it somewhere else. For a moment, I felt like they were picking on me. So I said, I'm not going to rent their spot. 
I'll go find another one. But we were so close to it. And we were, I had already envisioned myself. Once again, I had looked at it and I said, this is where the mirrors are going to go. This is where I'm going to put this frame. And the desk is going to go here. I had designed the entire thing. And once I get that vision in my head, it's hard to pull me away from it. So I said, all right, they want six months. I'll figure out another $6,000 out of nowhere and, uh, and we'll rent it. And, and that's exactly what we did. We had it put together. People started following the, the buildup. Like we're putting the floors down, follow our page. We now have mirrors. Everybody was so excited to see how the development of our new spot was coming along that um, I remember thinking to myself, this is the perfect opportunity to build a, an Instagram page for the business. And so we did. And I was like, follow this page to see the progress on our floors. Follow this page to see our mirrors are coming along. We just got this new piece of equipment. I remember celebrating that we had our first 100 followers, our first 300, our first 500. Because to me, it was like, look at all these people interested in seeing us grow. Either because they're just being noisy and they want to see like where I'm going with this. Or because they're truly interested in becoming part of our culture. Um, and it was like that. We had our first boot camp. Um, to celebrate it. I remember I packed out the place so much that we couldn't even move, but it was amazing. It was amazing, and the rest is history. We've been growing ever since, even during COVID, which I'm sh sure we're going to talk about in a few minutes. Um, we were very lucky to continue to stay afloat and grow. Well, so, so your brand of fitness <clears throat> is, well, instead of me guessing, or me describing why don't you talk about someone who joins your gym what, what are they gonna like what is the fitness like when they're there what's the experience so kfit boutique gym started as a woman exclusive facility right and the main reason yeah, why because you married the only male client you had like, oh, <laughs> yes that could be why <laughs> that could be one of the reasons why but no um oh you know Oh, in all seriousness, I did not want to have male clients at my house. Mm -hmm. So I started advertising for women only because I started in my garage. Yeah. And, and to me, that was a given. Like, I'm going to be a woman-exclusive facility. Um, and it became our niche, and it became our thing. And it was so beautiful to see it develop on its own. When we opened, we continued with that. Um, woman-exclusive facility. And I wanted it to be a space where women would feel comfortable coming in, to a gym and not feel intimidated by what was going on. Maybe male clients, maybe athletes are already, you know, ahead in their fitness journey and know exactly what they're doing. I wanted to cater to people that were starting. Mm -hmm. I wanted to cater to people, that, the moms perhaps that had not trained for very, a very long time and they wanted to get back on it, reignite their, their fitness journey. Um, so I wanted, I made it when I designed it, I made it so that it was cozy. You literally walk into the gym and you would see a chase to the right. Um, our bathroom is pink. We have unicorns painted on the wall. I mean, it's a, it's very cozy because that's what I wanted. And that's mm -hmm. what I wanted our clients to walk into feeling like, okay, I'm a beginner and, and this looks like a place that's, that's beginner friendly. Um, we have grown. We have grown. We now offer services for male clients. We male clients. Yes. Okay. We um we continue to have that same vibe of welcoming um, environment for new clients, but we have also had to grow with our existing clients, right? Because well, they've been with us for a few years and they are looking for more. My first question to you about that would be, um, how do the women feel when you told them you were going to start letting men come in? You know what. That happened on its own with COVID. 
Okay. It was a beautiful thing. We actually, before COVID, we advertised for our very first men's client, men, uh, men's challenge. Um, at KFED, we, we run transformation challenges a few times a year, and they have become a huge sensation. We're known for our challenges. Um, and essentially what it is is there are four to eight-week programs in which we gather a certain amount of people and we offer them amazing prices for our services along with um, a group of peers that they're going to run through this entire program with, along with accountability and private um, message chat, um, emails, motivational emails, um, nutrition um, suggestions, a bunch of different services to kind of like hit their goals from different angles. They're very successful. People love competitions. Do they stick around? They do. They do. I have to say the the turnaround rate is higher than 50%, which is big in yeah. our industry. Uh, do you know how many of the people who come in through a challenge are still there, let's say, seven, eight months later? Um, I haven't done the math, but I have to say it's probably around the 30 to 40%. I'd be really interested to see that. Absolutely, yes. The, the, the reason I'm saying that is that there's a lot of, a lot of CrossFit gyms, and we work with a lot of CrossFit gyms, They'll run a six week, they've in the past run a six week challenge and they'll get 15, 20, 30 new members. Three months later, they're down to half of them. And three months after that, they're down to a third of those. So they're really left with 10% and the challenge that not being worth it. So I would love to hear what you're doing offline. We'll talk about it and um, maybe bring it as something that gyms who are running challenges can do to keep clients better. Absolutely. But so, so your gym is like, you're not, a dance fitness studio and you're not CrossFit and you're not F45. What is it? We, I want to understand. We are what- a little bit of everything. Um, we've, we've programmed and changed our programs. Um, we call our group classes boot camps, okay. um, which is an intimidating, badass term, right? But that's what we decided to call it because calling them just group classes is kind of like, well, me. the interesting, it, it, it's, it's an approachable badass term because there's so many boot camps. Right. So how do you differentiate, you know, how, how does somebody who's a beginner know that they can come to you? And then do you have concerns that beginners are going to leave when they're no longer beginners? So when people enroll, um, we try to make that connection of letting them know, listen, it's going to be hard at the beginning. Your first two weeks, you're going to hate us. You're going to be sore AF, expect it, be prepared for it. Stick around for the third week. This is going to become an addiction. I tell that to all my clients because a, a culture is so strong that by the third week, they're, they're in. They're in. Most of our clients are in. Of course, there's going to be people that come to one class. This, this was too hard for me. I'll never come back. Mm-hmm. But we try to cater to those people that are on the new side of town. And I think my, my clients themselves are so supportive of each other and so empowering that they help those new clients come along as well. Mm -hmm. So if I have a new client at 6am, for example, I make it a point to tell my regulars at 6am, you know, this is blah, 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 new class. She just made it through class at the end of class. We all, you know, celebrate that so that she knows that it was a big deal, that our classes are not easy. Mm -hmm. We'll modify a hundred percent if you need the modifications because you're new, because you have a physical restriction, whatever it is. But the reason why we have such jaw-dropping transformations is because we push them hard. Um, it, we wouldn't otherwise. So people like that. People like to know that, you know what, it's going to be challenging. 
I have, she said to stick around for three weeks. I'm going to do my best. And then by the third week, they're hooked. It's like to turn on a switch and this becomes like an addiction. To so them. you don't find a problem with attracting beginners and then keeping them six months, a year, two years later when they're no longer beginners. You're finding that that's not an issue for you. So what we do is we then bring things up a notch and we do this. For example, right now we're alternating days between um, boot camps that are more strength training related and boot camps that are more like cardio related so that... If you're on the newer side of town, uh, town, you are maybe signing up for the strength training one once a week, twice a week, and using light dumbbells or bands. And then if you prefer to do the cardio because you're more on the side of your journey where you're looking to lose weight still and not getting to too much of the strength training, then you're signing up for my Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays. We're giving them option because we're going with them. They've been with us for long enough that we have to switch it up for them and, and make it so that it's interesting. Otherwise, they, they would leave and never come back. Well, did you find people being disappointed that, for example, you took away their, their Thursday 5 p.m. class that was always the cardio fitness class and now it's a strength class and they don't want to take that? Is that a problem? I don't think so. Um, I I haven't seen a drop in numbers. And we just started doing that now in January because this new challenge that we have going on, the New Year's challenge, um, I had 54 signups. And did you, did you run paid ads to it? How did you get the signups? So believe it or not, we don't pay ads. Mm -hmm. um, I don't believe it. I tried it and I didn't see, I didn't think it was a fruitful investment. Um, Instagram is our biggest... Just posting. Yeah. So what do the challenge cost? The challenges differ depending on what well, this we... this one, you brought 54 we, people in. The challenge was $650. So that's, that's a $30,000 turnaround. And then if they did it virtually, it was four fifty. dollars Great. How yes. many of them are virtual? I'm going to say out of the 54, how many of them are virtual? Probably like 20? 25. Yeah. So 25, do you have, do you have ongoing services for virtual clients? We do. They're always getting they They have virtual classes every single day and they get one personal training session indoors a week. They can book it virtually as well, so but we encourage them to come in. So they're virtual, they're virtual local. They're virtual local, but we do have people that do strictly virtual, even if they're local. And we have clients mm -hmm. in El Salvador. We have clients in California. We have clients everywhere and they do, they have the option of booking their personal training sessions virtually. Got it. And so do you think that most of your adoption of those programs comes from your members telling their friends that they should enroll in it? Or is it strangers who see something on Instagram and say, I want to get in, how do I do this? Both. And when it's a stranger on Instagram saying, I want to get in, how do I do this? Are they able to just click a link and sign up? Or are they talking to somebody and having a sales conversation? Both. So they can, um, they can inquire. And mm -hmm. we have, all of my staff members have access to our Instagram page. So everybody's on it knowing what to tell them, what information to give them. Or they have the, uh, the option to downloading our app or going right to the landing page that we create for the challenge and signing right on. Very cool. And do you have staff who are responsible for running these challenges beginning to end or is that your responsibility? So... I mainly take up on it. I had a staff member that was helping me do it, but they're so, um, we have a system for all of them. So we just have to run through the system for each one. Um, did you write that system down? We, after doing our 15 challenge, uh, we did, we did. We came up with it probably after challenge number seven or eight. And I was like, okay, we need to organize this. What do we do first? What do we do second? Um, you know, what's going to happen after someone signs up through the website? What's going to happen after someone signs up on our app? What if someone, you know, inquires? Well, but that's, um, how, that's how you build a business that you don't have to do everything for. Correct. Because now somebody else can look at the page and say, this is what happened. This is what I'm supposed to do. This, you develop systems. Yeah. Awesome. So, so 
how did you keep so many of your members through COVID? Because I know that you didn't, you didn't have a major catastrophic, what am I going to do with my business during COVID? We didn't. Um, so let me finish telling you about the men's challenge. We didn't finish talking about okay. that. We got carried on with the challenge talk. I decided that we're going to run our first men's challenge. We sign up five gentlemen for our very first challenge that's going to take place in the spring. And then COVID happens. So now Perfect. I have five guys that paid to be in this challenge and we don't, we're not able to offer them services. So what happens is COVID takes place. We closed on a Friday. I remember it was March 13th. My son's school closed and that made me super nervous because I said, listen, if the schools are closing, this is a big deal. Um, we were not mandated to close yet, but I said, you know what guys, let's err on the side of caution. We're going to close down the gym whatever it is, a week or two, let's give it some time. Um, I, it's not worth, you know, risking ourselves. If, this, if, the local schools, if the local school is closed, it's for a reason, right. let's cut it short. That was Friday. Um, the very next day, we decided to do what everybody was doing, which is an Instagram live um, training, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody started to do them. We started to do them too. So we were training for free on Instagram. Um, we froze all of our clients' accounts whatever you had paid for the month. If you were not finished with your paid month, you were going to get it when we reopened in two weeks. Yeah, two and, weeks. Uh, in two weeks. Just give us two weeks to uh -huh. flatten the curve. And then, um, you know, the challenge was going to get postponed two weeks when we reopened. And um, a few months later, we realized, well, this isn't going to happen. We need to start doing something. We trained for free for two months. So you, were you paying your rent? I was paying my rent and I was paying my employees because I was approved for a PPP loan. Okay. So we were lucky enough that we were continue, We were able to continue to run the business um, without getting an income from our clients. Mm -hmm. And I really think, looking back at it, um, it was one of the greatest things we could have done for our community because we needed that. We needed to provide them with some sanity. Sure. Um, these times were extremely rough, more f for you know some than others, but... Um, we took pride in, 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 in offering people a little bit of the normal day-to-day -day life they had before COVID came. Mm -hmm. um, we became pros at training virtually. We went from Instagram Live to learning how to do it on Zoom to hiring a third party that would then, um, you know, link with our booking system and send them the links um, when we started charging for, for services. So it really, it happened slowly for you know for us but rather quickly if you look at it in retrospect to many other gyms sure so um we were very lucky and once again our 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 community came right back when we said listen we're we're going to be offering virtual packages now um everybody was signed up for the challenge we're going to be having a challenge it's going to be virtual and outdoors um so you can carry over whatever you paid for your challenge into this new challenge that we're offering or you can wait until we open um, and we ended up running three challenges over the summer, both virtually and outdoors. And uh, most of our clients that had signed up for the spring challenge ended up becoming one of those challenge mm -hmm. participants. The very first ones was super small, right? Because nobody knew what we're, how we were going to deliver. Sure. Um, and we had such great results with people training from home that once again, you know, we were able to post the winners of our challenges and not just the winners, but like, you know, everybody that participated and see their results training from home and training outdoors that by the second challenge, we had double the amount of people. Mm -hmm. And then by the third, it tripled. So it was a matter of, you know, proving to our clients what we were able to do and getting those people that I felt like we owed money to, to 
give them the money they had paid for and hopefully be, continue to to become clients of the gym and pay for more services because we needed it. And so now you're open with indoor training with masks on, yes? Correct. How do the women like that? How do the people like that? Just like everything else at the beginning, we had very little clients come back because mm -hmm. they wanted to see how we were going to handle it. They wanted to see how they felt. Um, you get used to it. I, told, I tell my clients, I'm always very honest with my clients. I said it took me close to three weeks to train an entire boot camp with my mask on without realizing I had my mask on. Mm -hmm. um, so give it time. But, you know, our bodies are amazing and we get used to it. Mm -hmm. You get used to it. Yeah. So you are resilient. That is a, that is a word to describe you. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, at this point, you... You have this business, you're working with people in person, you now have people online that wasn't even a part of your plan, it just started to happen. What's your vision for where you take KFIT? Because eventually what I believe happens is you're going to be faced with this situation where there's demand for online, there's demand for in person, you only have so much space, you're going to be at the point of, do I move to a larger space? Do I stay where I am? Do I build an online staff and an in-person staff? Or does the in-person staff work online? How do we manage all of that? Have you considered all of those things yet? We are there right now. Oh, <laughs> so our um, online versus in-person um, demand, we, ever since we opened, we kept the same classes virtually and indoors so when you take a virtual class with us mm -hmm. you're taking a virtual class with the rest of the clients that are training in the gym at the same time okay which is an amazing feel and at first when i thought about it i said either this is going to be great or it's going to really suck mm -hmm. for the experience of the people that are on the other side of the screen at home, sure. seeing what's going on at the gym. And also for the people that are at the gym that perhaps don't want to be on camera or that are like, why am I being part of this? Right. Or who um, see you walk over to the camera and talk to the camera instead of talking to the class. Correct. So um, just like everything else, my, my clients are amazing and, and they love it. We've, we've made it so that it runs so smoothly. Um, people know where they're going to be um, set up if they want to be background talent mm -hmm. and, uh, and I have clients that, that come perhaps don't know. And I let them know, like if it's their first class and they put themselves in an area where I know my clients from zoom are going to see them. I let them know, you know, welcome. Um, just so you know, you're going to be, you know, training with the people from zoom. Is that okay with you? And nine out of 10 times they're like, yeah, totally fine. I'm like, okay. I'm like, and I always tell them, I'm like, it's not live. No worries. These are, you know, people from the gym, part of our fit family that are training from home today or that are only, um, virtual, um, clients. Um, but you know, it's not a big deal. And they're like, yeah, totally. So they feel connected, right. Um, in a sense that they're both doing the same exact workout, um, we're modifying for both of them. Uh, my staff is amazing. Anything I throw at them, they catch it, they maximize it, they add their own flavor to it. It's really, really nice. So that hasn't been a challenge, splitting the virtual and the indoor. Um, what's becoming a challenge right now is the space. Mm -hmm. We're growing. So at the moment, and this also kind of like landed on my lap, I have a big angel on my, on my shoulder. Everything, everything kind of like happens on its own. Yeah, it seems to work that way when you bust your ass. <laughs> so we went from training outdoors at the beach, at mm -hmm. a local field, um, 
and using the space in front of my gym to getting yelled at up by the town again mm-hmm. because the front the space in front of the gym is actually a a fire um what is it called it's like a firefighter memorial like a firefighter memorial area oh. <laughs> so hey Karina are you running boot camps in our firefighter memorial area and I'm like um no <laughs> so of course that we we're not supposed to be doing that so we stopped but then we needed a, an area to train um i reached out to my landlord who i haven't missed the payment since covid and i mm-hmm. said listen i need to use our private parking lot um if it's okay with you i'll use it during the times that it's not busy i actually kind of had already started using it at 6 a.m because mm-hmm. nobody's there they're all offices and they didn't know but i wanted to use it over the weekends as well so he said that's fine with me use the space um on sundays um but then it got cold and mm-hmm. I needed to bring all of my outdoor training indoors and I am only able to run at 33 capacity indoors. 33%. Um, 33%. So I went from asking him for the space outside the parking lot to asking him to rent me the space that we have next door, which is an empty um, retail space that they've been trying to rent for years um, on a month-to-month basis. And that's where we are right now. Did you I knock rent- the ball down? I rent the, the space next door. I did not wall, knock the wall because it's not officially mine. We only do it um, month to month because right now I'm in the verge of deciding whether we're going to stay there and take over that space officially so that we can have a larger space mm-hmm. or if we're going to stay there and keep the small space and rent another space elsewhere or um, just move the entire operation somewhere else. Oh, we got a lot to talk about. Yes, we do. All right. Yes, Kar- do. Karina... You did awesome for your first podcast. Thank you. I feel like I'm talking with a friend. You're well, that's, amazing. That's, that's what we're doing. <laughs> Where can people find you? They can find us on kfitny.com, K-F-I-T-N-Y.com. And uh, they can find us on, on Instagram, social media, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok now. Um, TikTok. At KFIT Boutique Gym. Yes, we're new to TikTok. Salsa so, so on TikTok? Salsa <laughs> <laughs> so on TikTok. My staff actually made me open this this TikTok account. So I'm learning, but uh, you know, we have to grow with the towns. Oh man, don't get me started. The, last <laughs> month on our podcast, I announced that I'd started a TikTok account. I have not posted to it since then. <laughs> I'm, I'm enjoying what it does for you. So um, I don't know what that means. <laughs> in, in terms of videos. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not, it's not a lot of work when it comes to putting something together. And uh, my staff is amazing. So, you know, they keep me on my toes when it comes to this kind of thing. All right. Well, thank you for joining us on the show thank today. Thank you so much for having me. It's always such a pleasure to hang out with you. You light fire on my ideas and my goals. So I really Perfect. enjoy it. Perfect. All right. Turn I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Active Light Podcast. If you did, please be sure to head to wherever you listened to it and give us a quality review as well as five stars if you can spare them. If you want more from us, feel free to follow all of our social media accounts at Active Life Professional, Active Life RX, and Dr. Sean Pastuch on Instagram. Remember, at Active Life, we believe that the healthcare clinic of the future is the gym and the healthcare provider of the future is the coach. We also believe that that future is now. Time